Welcome to the uh, Venari podcast. And, you know, my name is Christian Owen. I'm joined by uh, Dr. Harry Lader. Harry is Chief Medical Officer at um, Genesis. He's former Chief Medical Officer at Walgreens. He also um, advises a number of, of different health techs um, across North America. Welcome you on here, Harry. Good to, uh, good to speak again. Thank you, Christian. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Yeah, no problem. You know, as we're both quite active in, in digital health and, and we wanted to I think focus on, on telemedicine really. And, and let's kind of start off, you know, Harry, it'd be good to hear you know, basically your experience within telemedicine. Then we can kind of take a deeper dive into to some questions really around, you know, the future of it and, and kind of growth, you know, over the past year or so um, and kind of, you know, how we see, you know, that going on. Absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, for your audience, uh, I'm a physician by training, a general intern. So when I was uh, in training and starting to practice before I became an executive, telemedicine didn't exist in terms of video, but, but doctors did telemedicine through telephones, right? We took calls and we asked patients how they were doing or they reported their symptoms and we sometimes uh, ordered tests or, or prescribed. But what's different now, of course, is the technology that we can uh, interact with people uh, in a video way as well as just through their voice. Um, my experience with telemedicine is a few uh, different uh, things over my career. Uh, first of all, when I was the chief medical officer of Walgreens Boots Alliance, uh, I was one of the leaders that put together our telemedicine program for our uh, customers. And Walgreens has 6 million customers that comes to their stores, the bricks and mortar every day, but 2 million people who digitally interact with Walgreens different assets, whether they be apps or telemedicine every day. And the idea here was we wanted to provide our customers with a convenient service to get supported through um, mostly minor and somewhat um, time-limited medical conditions. So we partnered with a company called MD Live, which currently exists today, it was recently acquired by Cigna, a big payer. And they provided the uh, more uh, acute visits with board-certified doctors. Then when I joined Gelesis three years ago, we decided with our weight loss product or weight management product called Plenity to not only offer it through physicians prescriptions in the community, but we partnered with a telemedicine company called Roe where uh, customers, consumers can go online, learn about the product, fill out a medical form, maybe do a video chat if necessary, they don't always have to, and then get prescribed Plenity and has it shipped to their door within two days. So I've worked for a couple different companies uh, in the area of telemedicine. Fantastic. And I was, I was thinking, I suppose, with Walgreens Boots, you, know, you guys must have been, well, certainly not first off the mark, but pretty early in there, really. We were very early, point. yes. This was really at the leading edge, yes. We, we certainly didn't invent it, but I think as being such a huge company with so many uh, customers uh, seeking services from us, we certainly were one of the biggest early adopters. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I suppose when, well, you know, fast forwarding and looking at, well, the last kind of two to three years, if you like. Right. What do you think are kind of the, the main factors in, 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 in the increased growth that we've seen? Yeah, and there has been dramatic increase. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's three factors. One that's a little more long-term that's been going on for some time, uh, not just the last three years, is I think there's a secular shift where people, especially younger folks, aren't as attached to their primary care doctor. Yeah. The focus is convenience. I want to get care now. I don't necessarily have to have my doctor, uh, my regular doctor be there. So that's been going on for a while. But more recently, the pandemic has been a major accelerant of telemedicine. 
people are hesitant, were hesitant at the beginning of the pandemic, maybe even now to go into a doctor's office or a hospital. Uh, they were uh, sequestering themselves at home. Uh, they were concerned about symptoms that might be COVID and they wanted to get professional advice uh, quickly. And then the third thing is here in the States, many of the payer organizations, the insurance companies, have now covered telemedicine because they have found out that not only is there a demand for it, but it actually provides even more cost-effective care than having a patient go to a doctor's office or an urgent care center or something like that. So those are the three factors that have really driven the growth of telemedicine. Yeah, no, no, that, that makes sense completely. I think you know the, the cost factor as well is, is probably um, something that maybe gets overlooked a little bit. Can you explain like the various types of well, tele- telemedicine companies? Yeah, there are, uh, I, th- I think, two uh, or three major genres of telemedicine services and companies. The first and the original one was the telemedicine services for minor things that crop up like coughs and colds and upper respiratory tract infections and yeah. minor rashes where you take a photo and send it in or uh, school physicals, things like that. Then uh, another uh, wave of companies started offering services to provide access to specific medications. A lot of them are lifestyle medications for things like erectile dysfunction or uh, thinning hair or things like that. And that was really around getting a doctor to evaluate you and prescribe a particular medication rather than a visit for something like an upper respiratory tract infection. And now some of the telemedicine companies are moving into uh, actual primary care, trying to be your primary care doctor over time. So there are a couple, there are a few different uh, uh, segments of this, but they are starting to blur where each of the vendors or the companies provide telemedicine are starting to kind of expand into those other areas. Yeah, that's it. And do you think the limitations then to to the kind of clinical solutions that that I suppose you can address? I mean, like you said, there's there's obviously Mm -hmm. certain areas, but... Yeah, yeah. So we can do a lot in telemedicine, as I mentioned, but there are a lot of things you can't do. Um, So for example, um, you shouldn't evaluate somebody for chest pain and a possible heart attack or stroke on telemedicine. That they should get to the emergency room to be evaluated for that. Um, Really, really complex conditions uh, don't lend themselves that well to telemedicine. Uh, but 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 for the majority of everyday things, you know, little things that come up, telemedicine can be a great solution, especially with the video opportunity to uh, not only see somebody and talk to them, but even take pictures of something like a rash. I've read somewhere as well about them kind of expanding into more kind of complementary healthcare services. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is certainly going on. Um, one of the areas that some of the telemedicine companies are expanding into is home laboratory services. Okay. So that's kind of a natural complementary service where you see a doctor online uh, and they say, well, you know, in order to really treat you, I, we need to understand what your fasting sugar is or something like that. Uh, or sometimes they're just offering tests to consumers even without the visit, just if consumers now oftentimes want to know uh, whether they have a normal thyroid or their normal sugar or normal metabolic panel. Remote patient monitoring where uh, patients who have chronic disease get devices in their homes where they can be monitored. Some yeah. some companies are moving into like Teladoc has done with the Lavongo um, acquisition a yeah. couple of years ago. So yeah, I, I think there's a limitation to telemedicine continuing to expand simply through lifestyle yeah. uh, drug prescriptions. So they're all looking to say we have a big customer base, right? What other services can we provide them that are complementary that's good for the customer or the patient, 
but also increases the, the revenue stream to the company. Because many of these companies are spending a lot of money on advertising and, and have to continue to grow their revenue to compensate. You mentioned you know, Teladoc and, and Lavonga. I mean, well, first of all, I suppose, can you explain you know, what you think kind of drove that? But do you also think there's going to be other situations very much like that as well, where the market kind of consolidates? Yeah, I think the driver, I mean, this was a huge acquisition. I, I don't remember the exact price, but maybe it was $4 billion acquisition of Lavongo, something like that, huge. And I, I, I think there were a couple drivers. The first is to create an end-to-end healthcare solution where patients can be monitoring. Lavongo started out in diabetes, uh, and then they expanded to other chronic diseases, but where patients can be monitoring their sugars, and then the telemedicine doctors at Teladoc can be helping to manage the diabetes. That's So this, this end-to-end solution of gathering uh, clinical data with devices, whether it be glucometers or scales or blood pressure cuffs, and merging it with the physician support. The other synergy is Lavongo had a lot of contracts with employers in the US. So as Teladoc looked to expand their services, they also have those uh, other natural relationships that uh, Lavongo had created. But definitely the, the, Teladoc is a much bigger organization. It has actually is international, not just in the US. Yeah. Uh, but I think this idea of trying to create an end-to-end healthcare solution uh, is, is pretty compelling. We'll only know in the long run whether this kind of consolidation uh, continues. But this was a big, uh, a big market uh, event. Yeah, no, absolutely huge. I suppose, you know, moving forward as well, and you know, looking at the growth of telemedicine, you know, surely it can't continue at this rate. And I think we've already seen signs where it is starting to drop yes. in, in cases. Um, yes. Why, why do you think that is? I think the change in the way people are dealing with the pandemic is the major driver. I think more people are starting to go back to their doctors face-to-face in bricks and mortar. Not everybody, yeah. but that huge, I want to stay at home. I'd rather get the service online. I don't want to go to the hospital. I'm scared to death to go to a doctor's office. I think that's receding, especially with people going back to doctor's offices. I think they're much more comfortable today. Yeah. And people are kind of reverting back to their old ways, aren't they? To some degree, yeah. I do think it's still going to be there. I still think there's going to be huge utilization. But yeah. this is why I think there's this drive for complementary services, because I don't think there could be organic growth, mm-hmm. you know, 100% year over year in, in just the yeah. traditional telemedicine services. So my final comment is, I think, you know, what I learned at Walgreens, being there for almost six years, was really uh, people want convenience. It's, it's not just about relationships, it's about convenience. They want care when they need it and when they want yeah. it. I don't think that's gonna go away. So I think um, solutions that are provided, whether it's by uh, telemedicine companies or payers or providers, this idea of convenience I think is here to stay. Yeah, absolutely, so brilliant. Well, yeah, well, thanks, thanks again, Harry. And um, you know, always a pleasure. My pleasure and thanks again for the opportunity, Christian. Thanks a lot.